Voyage. This is Special Agent in Charge, Eric Roman. It is 2.46 p.m., and this is Recording 3, pertaining to Richard Rico Sanders and Frank Litvak's criminal organization and their associated crimes in Chicago and Hawaii. Recording 2 concluded with a physical altercation between Frank Litvak, Evelyn McDuffie, and Paul Elliott. Evelyn and Paul fled together in their vehicle and correctly surmised that this physical altercation would likely lead to dangerous repercussions for them. You were smart to leave the gun. They'd have found it. You sure no one's coming? Oh, they're coming. Just not right now. I could have gotten both of us killed back there. You still might have. Oh, God. Paul, do we go to the police? And tell them what? He didn't admit to anything. I've probably ruined your life. Thank you. You shouldn't be going through this alone, that's all. <laughs> Did you really think I might be attracted to Rachel uh, before the luau? No. I just wanted an excuse for you to come. What happened to her? I don't know and I don't care. The only person I care about in this whole world is in this car with me. By this point, Rico had already been arrested on criminal conspiracy charges. We couldn't prove any of the murders he was suspected of, but we had enough of the wiretaps for criminal conspiracy. Rico was arrested upon his arrival at O'Hare. Litvak's lawyer bailed him out the same day he was arrested. Of course, we had field agents follow him. His first purchase after being bailed out was a prepaid cell phone, also commonly known as a burner phone. Rico had evaded our extensive wiretapping by switching out his regular cell phone. He also stopped speaking about anything work-related in his car or apartment, where we had listening devices. What this meant for our investigation was that Rico largely fell off the map. Our field agents did their best to keep tabs on Rico, but could only do so much without blowing their cover. Meanwhile, Paul and Evelyn waited for the inevitable blowback from Litvak, uncertain of what to do. I feel terrible about what happened to Robert. It was a horrible crime and I couldn't condone it in a million years. But as much as I hate to say it, I think if it hadn't happened, we wouldn't be here together. Why did it take that? I love Joanne. I, I really did. But not like you. Never like you. No one's ever been even close. I'm not letting anyone get in the way this time. Oh, God. Paul, I still have to go to Robert's funeral. His family arranged for his remains to be transported here. Do you want me there? Yes. Then I'm there. Litvak will know. I'm sure he knows where each of us lives by now. Don't worry, I'll bring a friend in case he tries anything. No one's patting me down at the funeral. All right. Let me just say goodbye to Robert's mother and we'll go. Okay. Who was that? Who? That man. The white guy with the hat. I don't know him. He seems strange. Uh, 
Maybe an employee from when he had those stores? What is he? He's got a gun. Drop it. Gilbert. Who was he? Guy who wanted to even a score with me. With you? But I thought he was aiming for V. It's him. You? Yeah, me. You were here for us. For one of you, anyway. Now what? Now you're safe. <laughs> Just like that? Yes. What about Litvak? I'll handle him. What'll he do to you if you don't do this? And that's my problem now. Thanks for saving my life, Counselor. I didn't think you could do something like that. <laughs> You're not the only one. Are you okay? No. Are we okay? I don't know about Litvak, but I don't think we have to worry about him. If he had wanted to, I'm pretty sure he could have killed us both a minute ago. Ray Gilbert was Archie Gilbert's brother. As we suspected Rico was involved in Archie's disappearance, apparently Ray Gilbert agreed with us and tried to kill Rico, following him to Robert McDuffie's funeral where, we presume, Rico had intended to try and kill Paul and Evelyn. Ultimately, as far as Paul Elliott was concerned, his shooting of Ray Gilbert was a clear case of self-defense. Ray pulled a gun in front of witnesses at the funeral home in Paul's direction, even if his true target was Rico. Rico not only didn't try and kill Paul and Evelyn, but witnesses at the scene noticed him speaking to Paul and Evelyn in the immediate aftermath. There was no crime we could prove against Rico relating to this incident. Fortunately, Rico had problems of his own, and to the surprise of our team, one of the recordings of Paul's car turned up an unexpected guest. What the hell? Relax. Why are you in my car? How did you know I'd be here? At the courthouse. Counselor. Lucky guess. What do you want? A lawyer. For what? I know things. About Litvak. Things the FBI, Chicago PD, the DEA, anyone in law enforcement would definitely like to know. That worth something? Hold on. You want me to negotiate a deal for you with the feds? You're an honest lawyer. Handle that Brzezinski case. Brzezgalov? Yeah, whatever. You in? What if I say no? He could. I'll find another way to handle it. You already saved my life once. You don't owe me anything. I'm asking anyway. You really kill people? Yes. A lot of people? Fine, a lot. Kids. No. I think it has to feel right to me. Killing a child, uh, no. So I never did. But killing other people, that's fine. It depends on the person. I haven't had to kill a woman yet. Guess I'm old-fashioned about that. Then again, maybe if she really had it coming, I don't know. I don't plan on it. Whew, you make it sound normal. I'm not running for sainthood. How can you live with that? Easier than you think. And you would have killed me? Yeah, I would have. Did I deserve to die? 
Plenty of dead people don't deserve to die. Would you do it again if you somehow get out of this? Uh, what you do? No. Why should I believe you? Because you're alive to have this conversation with me. <laughs> Fair enough. Will you help me? I think I should say no. Yeah, you probably should. Hell of a choice of a spot to meet. Far from the city, hot as balls, noisy as hell. You're more trouble than you're worth. It's private. No one's getting off the highway to go to a deserted rest stop. We got too much heat on us to be meeting in public. Well? It's over, Frank. Paul saved my life. The lawyer? What do you mean he saved your life? The guy had to drop on me. Paul put four in him. Four? Who is this guy? Thought he was protecting the woman, but the point is, if he doesn't waste this guy, I'm not here talking to you now. What kind of bullshit is this? You're telling me you owe this guy because he accidentally saved your ass. That's what I'm telling you. I don't see what the big deal is. Another uppity black guy with a law degree. You could throw a rock at Chicago and hit a hundred of them. Guy saves my life. I don't take him out. I'm starting to lose count of how many people I've sent you to kill that are still walking around. You heard me. Okay. The circumstances changed since we talked. I get that. I don't like it, but I see your point. So what if I decide to be a nice guy and find somebody else to take care of this? That is, as long as you understand this is my decision, not yours. I said it's over. What's gotten into you? This is my ass, and yours too. It's nobody's ass. This isn't business. You already got the necklace back. It's personal. Because you got slapped around a little. But you probably deserve it. Damn it, Rico. Are you ordering me not to do this? Because if you are, you just walked right up to the line. No, I stepped all the way over it. You know me well enough to know I wasn't bluffing about Gene. And you know I'm not stupid enough to meet you here without some insurance. Mickey should be at your girl's place about now, waiting to hear from me. If he doesn't hear from me, she goes. Mickey won't hear from you. Why is that? Because dead men can't answer the phone. I figured you'd use Mickey, but when I went to his place, I wasn't sure. When I looked in his eyes, I was 99.9% .9 sure, but 0.1% is still 0.1%. I'm glad I didn't take him out for nothing. Listen, we can work something out. You convince me, okay? You win. You feel that way about it, they walk, okay? Well, say something. The minute Paul took that guy out, I said to myself, that tears it with Frank, because no way do I pop this guy now. I just want to tell you to your face. So I told you. Not one word either one of us has said after that makes a bit of difference, and we both know it. You mixing Gene up and this just made it worse. That was a mistake. You made it, and Mickey paid for it. I did seven years for you. You shouldn't have killed that tell. It was your idea to rob the bank. And no one would have tried that hard to find us if you hadn't killed the teller. You've always been five degrees too hot, Frank. We carried you all the way here. That's why this is happening right now. It ain't easy being me. It's not easy knowing you either. 
Were we ever friends? Once. In another life. I preferred that life. Tell you the truth, sometimes I did too. Does it still count for anything? You can't let me leave here alive, and I can't let you. So we might as well get it over with. What in How could you do this to me? Still counted for something, Frank. Otherwise I would have just killed you. Rico was wearing a wire during his final conversation with Frank Litvak. He lied about Mickey O'Reilly during that conversation. We arrested him an hour prior to the meeting, outside Gene Szymanski's apartment. Rico was two steps ahead of Litvak the whole way. Paul Elliott had brought Rico into the FBI field office in Chicago several days prior. Rico became a cooperating witness and provided a massive amount of valuable intelligence that led to dozens of arrests, crippling Frank Litvak's criminal operation in its entirety. None of Rico's killings could be proven, although one was strongly implied in the last piece of audio we got off Rico's wiretap. This came from one last phone call Rico made with his personal cell phone before he surrendered to us. Hi, Gene. Seems like you're not going to call me back. You know, look, I, I've always been alone. From as far back as I can remember. My father worked in the steel mill and my mother was a maid. The year I started kindergarten, I had to walk to school alone, a mile. My mother solved the problem by asking a neighbor, Mrs. Hollingsworth, who also had a son in kindergarten, to let me walk to and from school with them. After school, I, I ducked Mrs. Hollingsworth, found a shortcut home, and was waiting there for her when she got back, terrified something had happened to me. My parents asked why I hadn't waited. I said, I didn't need Mrs. Hollingsworth. And after that, I walked to school alone. My mother died when I was 10. She'd had a hard life, and one day her heart just stopped. Congestive heart failure aggravated by diabetes. She was only 49. When I was 16, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Everyone assumed my dad committed suicide, and in a way, he did. After the cancer had ravaged his body, he was just waiting to die at home. One morning, he finally summoned the courage to put a gun to his head. He couldn't pull the trigger begged me to do it. Since then, I've been alone. It's to be so you don't mind it. Until you. You're the first person who makes me not want to be alone anymore. Oh, that's... You call it. Okay, then. Mahalo with a Bullet is a production of Voyage Media. If you're enjoying the show, 
leave us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere you're listening. This helps more people discover the show. And subscribe now for future episodes. If you're interested in hearing more of Rico's story, you can check out Pigeon Blood Red, the novel this series is based on, written by Ed Duncan on Amazon. A link is in the show notes.